You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season, whether I was out west during my elk hunt, South Dakota mule deer hunt, or my rut vacation in Iowa, I was on my phone using Onyx Maps every part of the day, whether I was looking at terrain features uh, on the topographic and, and satellite maps that they offer on their uh, uh, on their app, or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands, or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location. I used Onyx Maps every single day, and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map and uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before I had to wait till sun up and then and then you know find it that way but that problem does not exist anymore because of Onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that I think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app Uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 n-a-t-i-o-n two zero and for new users you're going to receive 20% off. So onyxmaps.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and we got a good one today. Uh, You've already heard him on the podcast before. His name is Justin Czar. You might know him from bowhunting.com and bowhunter die. Uh, he is a good friend of mine. He's an avid bowhunter. And today is kind of a BS session and a season recap and uh, just a good conversation with Justin about how his year went. Uh, we talk about things like his son being in the tree stand for the first time while he was able to kill a doe this year. We talk about uh, his western hunts for whitetails this year as well and a variety of other things like his trips to Iowa and uh, hunting locally in Illinois. But uh, Justin's a good man. You're going to enjoy this podcast, really good conversation, and uh, you're going to 
you're going to be able to hear my love for all things Christmas in the intro. So uh, before we get into this podcast, though, man, I got to pay a bill and we got to talk about Vortex Optics. Now, check this warranty out. If you break one of their optics, you send it in, they fix it for free. It's that simple, right? You break it, they fix it. And uh, that goes with all of their optics. I've had to use that warranty two different times now. And uh, I got back a completely fixed pair of binoculars on both occasions. Uh, I also use their rangefinder. Knock on wood, I haven't broke it yet. But I am very hard on all of my hunting equipment, especially my optics. And uh, whether I drop them from the tree or I'm dragging them from the dirt or you know I leave them on the hood of the truck and then take off, whatever. Uh, some of that's me being a dumbass, but also some of that is they make a really high quality product. And uh, to back that up with a warranty that is second to none in the industry, man, uh, you're winning if you uh, decide to purchase a pair of Vortex binos or uh, rifle scopes or rangefinder or spotting scopes, man. Head on over to vortexoptics.com. Take a look at all of the uh, products that these guys make and uh, make a decision from there, man. Strongly recommend them. All right. We've paid the bill. Let's get into today's podcast with my man, Justin Czar. In three, two, one. Uh, <laughs> I was going to try to do some kick-ass like introduction like they do for wrestlers or monster truck drivers or you oh, know, yeah. big-time sports athletes, but I'm just going to say, hi, Justin Czar. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going pretty dang good, my friend. How are you? You ready for Christmas? Oh man, I I suck at Christmas. Like, ah, uh, I don't how like. Do you suck at Christmas. I don't like buying gifts. I don't like getting gifts. I'm not a Christmas like I I I like Christmas. I like hanging with a family. I like eating food. I like Christmas cookies. I like. Most of the stuff that revolves around Christmas, except the presents, because I think as a like my kids have already shown this, where it's just like, but I didn't get what I wanted, and I'm just like, oh my god, I want to smack you. I hate it. I hate <laughs> well, it when they do I'm that. Well, I'm just, I'm glad I don't have to feel bad for not getting you anything now. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a bonus for me. Yeah, uh, my I grew up in a family that was like. You know, Christmas was kind of just another day. I mean, we, we got presents, sure. but it wasn't like overboard. Uh, I feel like my wife's trying to go overboard with Christmas and uh, for kind of forgets that, hey, the, we have a budget uh, and uh, I might have. Uh, to... There is no such thing as a budget near Christmas time, my God, friend. Damn. It sucks. It's all about giving yeah. your money away Spoiled. to other people. And it's a racket, too, dude. It's such a big racket. Yeah. Oh, hey, you, you can't just buy a toy. You got to buy the wrapping paper. You got to buy the paper <laughs> that goes in. The wrapping paper is like literally the cheapest thing you buy all season, and that's what you're complaining about. Well, and, come and, on, Johnson. And the fact that you you have to buy a gift bag, and then there's paper that actually goes on top of the gift that gets touched for less than five seconds for an exi- from for its existence before it goes in the trash. I agree. So you should do some sort of thing where you invent like all reusable tissue paper and wrapping paper, or you could just like 
wrap it in old clothes that you're going to give away to Goodwill. Yep. Just like take your old sweatshirts, turn them inside out, put the stuff, the present inside, use some bailing twine to wrap it up. And here you go, guys. Yep. Yep. Enjoy old pair. Of Make jeans. sure you wear that sweatshirt when you're done. Yeah. I can't, I think my, my son and my youngest son, my two boys, they're real. They're, they, they're still in the, Hey man, we got, we got a toy. It's cool. It's new. We still like it. But my daughter, she's getting to that age where she's like, Hmm, this isn't the exact model that I asked for. Uh, so what's the deal? Can I get the yeah. receipt or like, like, how old is your daughter now? She's six. Okay. Mine's five and a half. So they're about the same. Yeah. Cause I was going to say she's very, very similar in that regard. And she does this thing, not that this has anything to do with hunting or what we're going to talk about, but she's doing that thing where we're in like, you take her picture, she puts her hand on her hip, oh. kind of like does the pose. And I was like, what in the hell is this? And where did you learn that? Yeah. Because I don't like it one bit. So my, right now my daughter is doing something. She's making, you know how sometimes rappers make, they have like a signature noise. Uh, th- does that make sense? Like a sig- like Yeah, they go, I-, I guess. Yeah. Or like little John, like little yeah, like little John, <laughs> yeah. Or they, okay, they make a signature noise like, or like before they start rapping or something like this. So she is doing this noise that this rapper, and I'm like, hey, why are you making this noise? Well, kids on the bus are doing it, so I have to do it. And I'm just like, do you know where this noise come comes from? And uh, she's like, no, but the kids are doing it. So there's a rapper. His name's Gucci Mane. And he love me some Gucci man, yeah, Gucci, and he makes this noise that sounds like like uh, skidding tires before he's before <laughs> during and after he raps. Right, it's like a skirt, you know. Like, <laughs> and so my daughter's doing this. She doesn't know who Gucci Mane is yet, but it's just it's just like, oh no, soon there will be like. Like the Kraken comes from a crack from hell and comes to terrorize the earth. I just feel like <laughs> she's cute. She's innocent now, but she's starting to learn the ways of yes. the the bitch, if that makes sense. And I hate to say that <laughs> word to describe women, but God dang, I feel like it's coming. Uh, yeah. My uh, last little thing where I was at a little family Christmas get together with aunts and cousins and stuff last night and. And all of uh, so my cousins are a lot of them around the same age. We all have kids relatively the same age, and uh, there's like eight kids all kind of sitting around doing whatever. And my aunt looks at me and she goes, "Just think, it's bad now." She's like, "Wait till they're all teenagers at the same time." Oh man! And I was like, "Oh God, no thanks." Yeah, mine are never allowed out of the house. So let's talk about hunting, my man. Yeah, hunting. Because nobody cares about our kids except us. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Well, hey, I, I tell you what, I do get a lot of text messages about parenting, or not te- mm. like uh, Instagram. They're like, "Dude, can I, we start a I parenting podcast?" Oh, me and you, it would suck. I'd, we'd mm. probably get our kids taken away from us. Eh, would that be such a bad thing? <laughs> as long as it's like just for short. <laughs> can they just of time. yeah take them away on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it will be good. So the last time we talked. Uh, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. You went to, and this is just the fast version because we already talked about it on, on uh, right. that podcast, but you went to Kentucky, you sweated your balls off, you didn't kill a deer, and then you went nope. back to Illinois. Correct. I was close. I saw a shooter in Kentucky. 
you know, it was just a little far and just a little dark, but I was, I was very close. And then in what, three afternoons, I think we hunted and that was it. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty, pretty proud. I guess you could say of that hunt. I felt like we didn't totally suck horribly bad. So, so that was good. Yeah. And then, uh, came home and then since then it's been a whirlwind of states for me. Yeah. So it's been Illinois, Iowa, uh, Wyoming. I think that's it. But Wisconsin too? No, I did not hunt Wisconsin this year. Okay. No Wisconsin. I I canceled Wisconsin this year in favor of Kentucky instead in September. I gotcha. All right. So let's just kind of go in chronological order, recap your season. Um, what, uh, what, what did, what started? Where did, where was your first time? Um, uh, Illinois was where I started here at home. So if I go kind of chronologically, as far as like what I would consider, uh, you know, events worth talking about. Um, I took my son out with me, my oldest boy, who's seven now. Uh, and he went up in a ladder stand for the very first time ever. Right. And, uh, we hunted in October, uh, and I managed to shoot a doe that night, uh, with him sitting next to me, which was super cool. And I shot it with a crossbow, which was super awesome because <laughs> all these yahoos on, on, uh, YouTube, you know, called me all sorts of bad words that I don't think I can repeat on your show. Just uh, so that was, you used that was sweet. Oh yeah. Just because I used a crossbow. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. People, people are literally insane. Like they've, <laughs> they've all gone insane and it, it just makes it worse when they're sitting behind their keyboard or like on their phone. Oh, you man. know, it's just like, Oh my God. Like people get so angry. Like you, it was like I personally offended them <laughs> with my mere existence and just the thought of using a crossbow, which if anybody knows me, like that made me enjoy it even that much more. <laughs> just knowing that I was pissing everybody off. I was like, I'm just going to hunt with a crossbow all the time. Uh, but that was really cool, dude. My son was with me, you know, he shot this doe. Um, you know, I made a great shot on her. I let him do the blood trail, the recovery and everything. So, so that was cool. That was his first time kind of getting to experience that, that whole deal. So that was how I kicked off my season here in Illinois. Was, was he pretty geeked about it? I mean, cause that's, I'm getting to the age now where I'm going to start thinking about getting my daughter actually out in a turkey blind with me this spring. Um, yeah. you know, getting my boys a little bit more involved as they get older. Um, what was that like for him from what you observed? And then what was that like for you as well? Uh, I thought he loved it, man. I mean, it, he's, uh, he's just one of those kids, dude. He, he loves all things hunting. I come home from work and I catch him watching hunting videos on YouTube all the time, whether it's our stuff or just a lot of the recommended videos. Like he's super into Bomars right now. He's like, dude, Bomer bow hunting. He's like, dad, what are you going to kill a 215 inch buck? Like, <laughs> like josh killed and i was like i don't know dude when you find me a bunch of money and some land that's holding a 215 inch deer yeah when you maybe. make your bed every morning buddy that's when i'll do yeah. it <laughs> yeah exactly but no dude it was uh it was super cool he was excited you know it's hard getting a seven-year-old to sit still and anywhere yeah you know it's bad enough in a blind let alone a tree stand where you got no cover or anything so Luckily, he uh, he held it together, and we had a doe come in and made a good shot. So I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. He's he's pumped. He wants to go turkey hunting this spring. That's his thing. He wants to go out and try to shoot a turkey. So we're gonna we're gonna practice with the old crossbow, 
you know, this winter and into the spring, and then hopefully we're going to get him out youth season here in Illinois and see if we can't let him shoot a bird. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. Has uh, I know he? You mentioned he does. He watches the videos, but does he ever have conversations with you about? Uh, like strategy or how how things work or is it still has he not reached that point yet no he's definitely getting to that point he doesn't really understand it yet but he's definitely the problem though and, and it's crazy for me to i guess see it firsthand because you know he watches these videos and like everything he knows you know not everything but a lot of what he knows he learns from watching these videos and you know these videos as great as they are you know they take you know, weeks or months or years of experience and things that we're doing and they boil it all down to a 15 or 20 minute clip. Yeah. So all he picks up is like, we need to go sit on a food plot and shoot a big buck. Right. Or we need to rattle and the buck's going to come in. We're going to shoot it. You know, he doesn't like, he's just getting those highlight kind of reels and that's what he thinks hunting kind of is, uh, which, you know, I've always kind of known, right. That people that don't hunt, are a bit that way or maybe new hunters or younger hunters, but it's, it's definitely a different take when you get to see it firsthand. Like I'll give you an example. I've got a bunch of cell cameras out and he's like super obsessed with grabbing my phone, logs into my cameras and he looks at, at all the, all the deer that are on the cameras. And uh, if we get a buck that shows up in daylight, he'll be like, dad, dad, there's a, there's a big buck over there. He's like, we got to get in there right now. Put a ground blind. <laughs> we got to go right now. We can kill him. I'm like, ah, well, I got to work and you got to go to school. So sorry, sorry, dude. We're not going to be doing that right now. But uh, he's super into checking my, my trail cameras right now, which is, which is pretty cool. Well, that's, a, that's an awesome start. And I think that's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be turkey hunting first. And well, which I should, you know, be doing the, the trail camera thing. I've done the shed hunting thing where, you know, I take them out. I've planted some sheds for them to find. Uh, they got a yep. kick. They got a kick out of that. And uh, that's one thing I personally need to do more of is just take them along to check trail cameras with me uh, just because some of them are it's, it's something low impact. It's easy to do. And I think that that will get them excited about what's on the cameras. Right. If I say, OK, Ava, this is your trail camera. Where do you want to put it? And she picks a spot for it and then we'll, we'll go and check it and then, and then we'll see what's on it. And then she'll, oh, man, is that the big buck you're talking about? Yeah, that's him. All right. What, what, what do you want to do? And, and, you know, just kind of really get, you know, almost build a storyline with it. Sure. So. Yeah. No, it's for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I started taking my oldest with me when he was five out into the ground blind, just deer hunting. Um, so he went at five, six, and then this year was his first year up in a tree stand, um, you know, with me at seven. So it's been a little bit of a progression. You know, he's seen a couple deer. He did go turkey hunting with me this spring as well. We saw a bunch of birds, just couldn't, couldn't get one close enough to shoot. Um, so he's been out a few times. I've done the same thing as you planted a few, um, antlers out there, let him find him. He's got them in his room up on the shelf, you know, they're his antlers that he found. So you know, he's pretty into that. My daughter, you know, doesn't seem to be super, super interested in it. I'll probably get her out maybe this spring once it gets a little bit warmer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, man, it's been, it's a cool, it's a cool journey. There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, what did he think about the, the gut job? I thought it smelled, Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he wasn't too terribly grossed out by it, you know, thankfully. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible by any means. So I think he's seen enough dead deer that i've brought home and he's seen the insides of them he never actually seen me field dress one before until then 
but uh, yeah, he was, you know, typical seven year old reaction. Like, ew, that's gross. And it smells funny. And yeah. you got blood all over you. But I mean, other than that, pretty much what I would have expected. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, the one thing I, I think we should talk about maybe a little bit with these kids hunting, right? Because I don't know how it is in, in Iowa, but here in Illinois, when I was a kid, the legal hunting age was 12 years old. I was not allowed to go hunting with any weapon of any sort until I was 12. And nowadays, I know a lot of states have removed any sort of minimum hunting age requirements. So it's basically like whenever your kid can get out and either pull the trigger on a gun or a crossbow or pull a, a compound bow, you know, enough weight, you know, they can go hunting. And I, I know I've seen a bunch of these videos online where these guys have got their kids out shooting deer at, you know, five and six years old. And believe me, dude, even seven years old for my son to go try to shoot a turkey this spring, I'm like on the fence of whether I even want him to do that. I just, for me, like I've never, I feel like when parents get their kids out and actually like have them shooting and killing animals at five and six years old, like, I feel like it's more for the parent to be like, look at what my kid did yeah. versus the kid themselves. Cause I just don't, I don't know for me anyways, I just don't think that kids fully can wrap their heads around life and death at that age, you know, and what they're doing and what it means to, to kill an animal. You know, so I don't know. I just I'm even on the fence about seven years old and whether that's old enough for him to be go, you know, try to shoot a turkey. Yeah. Um, I'll probably will do it. But, man, I see these videos online where it's like five year old, you know, shoots four bucks in one season and, <laughs> you know, someplace. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, there's no way my five year old, I think, was ready to grasp the concept of what killing an animal means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that all just stemmed from people bitching about hey man I, I can't take my four-year-old out hunting like n right now m none of my kids even my six-year-old can even hold a gun right i mean my, sure. my daughter can hold a toy gun or a squirt gun but that's not the real thing you know and even something that has no kick to it is still a you know uh would, would jolt her uh, probably sh she may not like it after that. She'd be afraid of it. Uh, and also the fact that, uh, they probably, you know, and it's obviously this is my job to teach them about gun safety. Uh, and you know, that if you pointed a gun at your brother, you could hurt him really bad. Right. And I think that, uh, that they're not even old enough to understand that aspect of it yet. Sure. So, you know, just, uh, continue to be good parents i guess for both of us and and uh i guess when they're ready they're ready and when they're if they're not well then you just wait a year yeah no i i agree with that i just wanted to mention that yeah so uh yeah so moving on from that you know the rest of my october was was uh was pretty uneventful for the most part i spent um i went over to iowa for a day uh, right in like October, I don't know, 20th, something like that. Yeah. Um, I hung a stand, I pulled the sticks on it and then I went and did a hang and hunt that afternoon, uh, at a different part, didn't see any deer. Uh, and then I came back, uh, for four days leading into Halloween. So I think I hunted like the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th. I think I hunted those four days over there. Um, I saw deer every sit. Uh, I had deer in bow range almost every sit. I don't think on that trip that I saw, you know what? I take that back. I did believe, I believe I saw one, what I would consider older or shootable buck, but I only caught a glimpse of them. 
uh, we got this, like, I don't know if you remember, right, late October, we got all that snow. Yep. So I, like, woke up one morning, like, a couple inches of fresh snow. Um, and it was actually that morning I had seen a, a pretty good buck. But, uh, like I said, I hunted four days in late October, uh, saw a lot of deer, saw a decent amount of, you know, younger bucks pushing does and stuff around. But no, nothing with the exception of this one that was a couple hundred yards away, and I only caught a glimpse of them, but it was enough to know that it was a bigger deer. Um, so that was my first kind of four day trip to Iowa. Uh, then I came home from that. My wife went on a little bit of a vacation to visit one of her friends for her 40th birthday. And that was like November 2nd through the 4th or something like that. Uh, so I was kind of at home uh, on dad duty for that. And then when my wife came home, uh, I took another three day stint in Iowa. I think I went like the eighth, ninth, 10th, I want to say. Um, and uh, I was sick as hell during that trip. So I was coughing and sneezing and stuffed up and probably running a fever. It was awful. But on that Sunday, which I believe if I remember right, was the 10th, it might've been the 11th, but whatever that Sunday was, um, I sat all day, uh, sun up to sundown and about an hour before dark, I finally had a good shooter buck come in. Uh, and as my luck has it, not only did he come kind of on the wrong side of the tree from where I wanted him to come, but I, I did get a shot. He was about six yards from the base of the tree, maybe less. And, uh, when I shot, I'll replay this exactly as it happened. I shoot, the deer runs off. I'm way up on this, in this, on this bluff. I'm two thirds of the way up this big hill, right? So the deer runs down the hill and it stops and I'm watching it and I'm like, at, at six steps or whatever, like there's no way I missed the deer. I know I hit it, but I, I remember like not seeing my, my knock, like my knock didn't light up. And I was like, that was weird. And the deer runs down the hill and stops. And I'm of course waiting for it to like fall over. And then he kind of just trots off, jumps the fence onto the, the private land and off he goes. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, what, what in the hell happened? Like something, something wasn't right with whatever just happened. So he leaves I'm all shook up, obviously. I look down at the ground. I'm trying to, like, look for my arrow. I'm like, my arrow's got to be on the ground. It's almost right underneath the tree. Uh, I see, uh, like, a fletching laying on the ground. I had orange arrow wraps and orange fletching. I see a, a piece of orange laying on the ground. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why the hell is one of my fletchings laying there? Like, did my, my fletching come off, like, when it went through the deer? Or, like, what happened? So I start looking at the ground with my binoculars, and I just can't really tell what, what I'm seeing. So I climb down. And what I find at the bottom of the tree is I find the front two thirds of my arrow, give or take, uh, and it's in the ground, barely stuck in the ground, maybe an inch. It's just barely, barely in there. Uh, the back one third of my arrow was completely gone, disintegrated, and there was pieces of arrow laying, I don't know, in like a 15 yard radius all around my tree. Oh, Hundreds no of pieces of arrow. Yeah. So my arrow, obviously, it blew up. I mean, literally, the whole back third of my arrow was was blown into a million pieces. Uh, I have to this day, I don't, I, I don't know. I have missed the deer completely. Um, the front of the arrow was completely clean, and the back third of the arrow was gone. So I don't know if the arrow broke when I shot. I don't know if it, uh, dude. I, don't, I honestly, I, I don't know what happened. And unfortunately for me, the deer was so close underneath me that when I drew my bow back, I was had the camera arm wrapped around me. The deer was on my left side. When I drew my bow back and kind of bent down to shoot, I accidentally pushed the camera arm like with my hip because it was tucked right into me. And the deer kind of walks right off camera as I shoot. And I didn't realize it at the time, but you can definitely see shards of arrow like 
flying through the air. Um, so I, I, to this day, I, I don't think I'll ever know if it was a bad knock, if it was a bad arrow, if it was bad from the factory, if I damaged it somehow. It was a brand new arrow that I had never shot before. So it's not, not like um, I had hit, hit it while practicing. Like I honestly will never be able to tell you exactly what happened. But all I know is that it definitely didn't hit the deer. And that was the end of my, my Iowa trip. I was kind of out of time. So kind of an interesting yet maybe a fitting end for me, given my luck to, to my Iowa season. So you didn't come back to Iowa for the rut? Uh, well, that was what November tenth. Oh, that, I think okay. was that happened. Yeah, that oh, okay. was November tenth. Okay. I hunted four, the last kind of four days of October, and then I came back for three days in November, gotcha. like the eighth, ninth, tenth, and then we ended up we went to Wyoming, uh, like the sixteenth through the twentieth. Um. So, and then I was gonna go back to Iowa when we got home from Wyoming, but I ended up shooting a buck in Illinois on the twenty second. I want to say it was that Friday. Uh, and I shot a buck when I was in Wyoming and a doe. So at that point, I had shot four deer and, and two bucks. Like, I shot three deer in a week. Um, so I was just like, man, I've been gone a lot, traveling, and yeah. I just I didn't want to push my wife any more than I needed to. So I ended up just kind of pulling the plug on, on Iowa. Even though I wanted to go back, believe me, I just didn't think it was a smart thing to do. Yeah. So kind of kind of backing up just a little bit, you know, in Illinois, on the properties that you hunt there, uh, you mentioned that there, you know, early season there wasn't much going on. Did you have any shooters identified or any um, like nocturnal bucks still in the area? Yeah, well, I mean, here's the, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't run a ton of cameras uh, on my one. The farm that I ended up killing the deer on, I only have one trail camera on it, maybe two. Uh, it's a pretty big farm, so I wasn't really even monitoring it too much. Uh, one of the other farms here close to the office, uh, I know for a fact we had three real nice shooters out there. Um, I hunt, but that man, it's, it's just a hard, it's a hard farm to hunt. I hunted it, I think 10 sits I sat out there this year and I think I only saw deer of any sort, like three out of those 10 times. So it was a little, it was a little frustrating. And then my other farm, uh, out West from here, I just, that's where I shot the doe with my son. Uh, and I sat it like two other afternoons in October or maybe, and I hunted one full day in November, like the seventh, right before I went to Iowa. Um, and I saw a deer, I just didn't see any shooter bucks on it, but that particular farm, the one out West had a couple of real good deer living on it. And, um, my buddy that I hunt with out there, Mike Willen, it's him and I on this lease ended up killing one of the deer that we were watching out there. Uh, while I was in Wyoming, actually, I think it was the 16th or 17th of November, he shot it ended up scoring 135 inches as a six-pointer. Wow. Yeah, just a big, ginormous six-pointer. The thing is, the frame on this deer is just unreal. It's just one of the coolest deer I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, just a, just a touch under 135 gross as a, as a six-point. So <laughs> That's ridiculous. Really, really a cool deer. That's awesome. So I've never experienced a rut outside of the state of Iowa, right? I, I've never hunted whitetail outside of the state, and it's something that I really want to do uh, in the future, in the near future, actually, is uh, get out of Iowa uh, during the rut and maybe spend a week somewhere else. Was the Wyoming rut, like, in full swing when you were out there? Oh, yes, and it's ridiculous. Talk about like, that. Like, if you want to get into Wyoming, like, 
now granted we all you have to take everything with a grain of salt right we're hunting with dustin to crew at bighorn outfitters and he's got access to tons and tons of private ranches right so we're not just packing up our stuff and heading to wyoming and trying to get on public land so i don't know what the public land stuff looks like out there but we're hunting private ranches most of these ranches out there uh, have cattle on them they have a, a you know significant amount of cattle in the area and a lot of them are in like river bottom areas that get planted with like alfalfa fields and hay and stuff that they harvest in order to feed the cows um so what happens is there's just a tremendous amount of whitetails on these river bottoms and in, in these ag fields like what little ag fields they have the deer are just stacked in them and with that amount of deer like what i can tell you is i have never experienced anything like it in my life in terms of calling to deer and what their reactions to deer is like dude i cannot <laughs> tell you I, I i i will i will tell you this so i i we rattled in the deer that i ended up shooting the first morning i think it was that afternoon or the next day we went out and dustin had a tag um so i was filming for him we sat down i just sat down next to this tree dustin got like 20 yards away from me I took my rattling antlers and I crashed them together and just like that first initial sequence, rattle, 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 rattle. As I'm doing that, I hear a grunt and I look up and this year and a half old buck literally almost runs me over. He came roaring just out of the brush in front of me, almost ran me over. Like that's what like rattling out there is insane. Like bucks literally come running as fast as they can run from hundreds of yards away as soon as they hear rattling. It is the most insane thing I've ever experienced in my life. So is this, uh, you think that has something to do with the fact that maybe the deer that you were hunting are, are not pressured or is it a completely, just a completely different animal? It's out just there? a different animal out there. I mean, they're definitely pressured. I mean, it was gun season, gun season been going on for a while. They'd shot a number of deer off of these ranches. So, I mean, it's not like there's no pressure around at all. I would say maybe like, the spot where I killed my buck, I don't think they'd had any rifle hunters in there earlier. And we were right up along the powder river. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many deer, you know, and when they hear rattling, they just come running. They just literally like balls out running in at full speed. If you go watch the video that Todd graph of the buck that he killed, they rattled in and the thing just comes charging in as they rattle. Like it happens so fast. Like, like if you're the hunter, you almost can't be rattling because you can't grab your bow quick enough because the things are on top of you. Like you almost have to have somebody with you rattling. So what we started doing was we would take the hunter and the camera guy, we'd put them 20, 30 yards apart, almost like turkey calling. We'd have the, the, uh, the rattler sitting off the one side and then we'd have the hunter sitting up, up front because just like all deer, they are trying to circle down Windia most of the time if they can't see anything. Um, so man, but it was, is literally the coolest thing uh, like I've ever experienced in terms of whitetail hunting in the rut. Yeah. I mean, it was just absolute insanity. I mean, we saw bucks fighting, chasing, you know, rattling him in, grunting them in, like you name it. We saw it in, in four days. It was, it was pretty incredible. What's the, uh, what's the terrain like out there? Be a little bit more specific about where these deer are living. Um, I, you know, sure. when, whenever, I watch, you know, back in the day when I used to watch like hunting shows, you'd hear, oh, the Milk River. We got it. We're going to be in the Milk River out, out yep. west, and there's just deer everywhere and whatnot. That's, yeah, it's a lot like that. So, mostly where we were at, so we're on the eastern side of the Bighorn Mountains. So, Dustin's place is in Buffalo, Wyoming. 
Um, we were hunting up near Sheridan area or farther even north. Like I was almost into Montana um, where I killed my deer at. It was probably a 45-minute ride from, from Dustin's place to get up there uh, on the Powder River. So it's river bottom ground like where we're doing most of the hunting. So it's a lot of, you know, it's flat. Uh, when there are trees, there's a lot of really like big cottonwoods and stuff, uh, a lot of grass. You know, that was pretty much what we were hunting them, mostly flat grasslands, river bottoms, um, pretty much everything off the ground. We did hang a stand, um, and then Dustin and I hunted out of it a couple mornings, um, saw a ton of deer. We had like a 190-inch mule deer walk right by us <laughs> one morning, but mule deer season ends oh, uh, at the end of October, and this was in like two weeks into November, so we couldn't shoot it, obviously. Um, but it was a freaking giant mule deer. I mean, just a giant, just, uh, chasing a doe or following a doe right in front of us. So yeah, it's mostly flat terrain where we were at, like I said, river bottom ground, you know, and irrigated like ag fields gotcha. is what a lot of it is. Now we did do some stuff where we got up more into some hilly terrain. I wouldn't call it mountain mountainous, but you know, the deer feed in the evenings down in the ag fields or the river bottoms. And then they do kind of go up into these, I don't know what you would even call them, this, these higher grounds and these brushy pockets to kind of bed during the day. So some of our morning hunts were spent up on a little bit higher terrain, glassing and then in rattling and calling and just kind of moving from like one draw to the next. Uh, it's kind of like turkey hunting, dude, to be honest with you. It was like hit a draw, call, sit for a while, see if anything came in. If nothing came in, then we'd move to the next draw and do the same thing. Wow. Yeah, it, wanna, it was it was neat, dude. I'll tell you what, it was a heck of an experience. I want to I want to be able to do that someday. And uh, quick question, uh, I'm I'm collecting points for Wyoming to be specific with you. Uh, sure. Did you have to Did you have to go through a point process to get that archery tag? Uh not in the area. Well, I might have had one point. Deer tags are relatively easy to come by for the most part in most of Wyoming. Um, there are a couple areas I think that are, require a few more points where some of the, like the really big mule deer live. Right. Um, but like in the area where Dustin is at, so Dustin can describe it better than I can, but kind of the way that he's always told me about it is like where he's at, his deer don't take a lot of preference points to draw. And part of the reason for that is like a lot of people equate, like if there's an area that takes more preference points to draw, it must have bigger deer. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. Generally, what it is, is there's just more people applying to hunt in those areas, which is why it takes more points to draw them. Uh, and in a lot of cases, it's because those areas have a lot more public ground yeah. on them. So that's where people want to go. So like where Dustin's at doesn't have a lot of public ground, not to say that there's none, but there's not a lot of it. There's not massive, massive, huge tracks of it. It's a lot of private ground. So they just don't get as many people applying for his areas. Um, that doesn't mean that the deer are any smaller than they are anywhere else in the state. It just means that it's an easier tag to get because there's lesser, lesser places to, to go public land hunting. Not to say that there aren't any, cause I'll tell you what, we drove by a couple pieces of public, you know, uh, to and from where we were hunting and there was deer on them almost every time we drove by. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing with Wyoming is they're just, there's freaking deer everywhere. It's, it's just the craziest place you know, you could ever possibly go hunt. Like, I, there's just nothing like it. What's what? What was the caliber of deer out there uh, compared to Illinois? Yeah, I mean, they're a whole different subspecies of deer. So body-wise, they're significantly smaller. Um, you know, as far as rack-wise, like if you kill a 140-inch deer, you're doing really, really good. Yeah. You know, most of their deer are going to be in like the 
let's say 120 to 140 on the high end range. You know, they may kill a couple bigger than that every year, but that's about your average. Like your average four year old is going to be like 130 inches, right? There's just, I mean, it's just a different species of deer. Um, but man, there's a pile of them and <laughs> it's a hell of a good time. I'm not going to lie. What about the age structure out there? I mean, were you seeing many four-year-old deer or oh, yeah. older age Absolutely. class? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do a nice job with, you know, because, again, they're hunting private ranches. You know, most of what they do, whitetail hunting, is going to be rifle hunting. Um, so they could be a lot more selective, right? They've got time to watch the animals, glass them, and figure out which ones they want to shoot and not shoot. So they do a nice job of trying to manage their farms and not kill a ton of young deer. Um, I mean, I shot a young deer when I was out there, like Dustin, the farm that Dustin farm, whatever ranch, whatever you want to call it, that Dustin and I were on, like nobody had killed any, any deer off of it that fall. Um, Dustin was like, dude, I don't care what you shoot, you know, just let's go kill some deer and have a good time. So within 15 minutes of my first morning, like we were just walking out to get to a spot and we ran into a, a dandy, probably a four year old or older deer. And I totally whiffed on the shot. He was way closer than I thought he was, and I shot right over his back. Um, you know, from the ground, we're talking like no blind, like 15 minutes into the day to wow. the first morning. Like we weren't even really hunting; we were just kind of walking in to where we wanted to go, and we happened to spot this deer, and we got set up, and he came right in on us. And uh, like I said, I just totally misjudged the artage and whiffed right over his back. And then a couple hours later, um, we spotted a bunch of bucks down in this river bottom. So. You know, when you get up high, you can look down in there and you can see all these deer and then you, you you get down in there and it's like a jungle. You can't see anything. So we had a couple trees kind of picked out as a landmark and we stalked up to these trees and we got set up and Dustin rattled and this buck came in and I was all jacked up and ready to go, man. And I just freaking pounded him. You know, it was a smaller deer. It was a real nice two-year-old buck, you know, but I think I, what I told everybody is like, I think so many of us get fascinated with antler size and age and all this other crap you know and i decided to go out to hunt with dustin this fall like i just wanted to go do something different yeah i wanted to get out of the midwest get out of illinois i wanted to go spend three or four days running around with some of my friends that i don't get to see a lot you know dustin and i don't hunt together much he lives on the other side of the country so i was like i don't care what i shoot like i didn't come here i i, I tried to go to iowa to shoot a big buck right i didn't go to wyoming to try to shoot a big buck. I could have stayed home and shot bigger deer. Like for me, it was more about the experience. Um, and like I said, we rattled them in on the ground, 12 yards, no blinds. Like we don't do that a whole lot here in the Midwest. Yeah. Just <laughs> so it was, uh, it was super intense. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and, and I will also say this, the difference out there of like what you can get away with out there. And maybe it's because they see less people or they're less pressured. Maybe, I don't know, but I feel like around here, if a deer saw me on the ground 12 yards away with no blind, it would be a County away before you could blink an eye out there. I'm like, Oh boy, I'm busted. The deer looks at you. And then it kind of just goes back to what it was doing. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's like an out of body experience. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, um, in Iowa, even in Iowa, uh, get out of the truck, walk in the timber, deer see ya, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. That's how it is around here, too. Yeah. yeah I went out to South Dakota, and sound similar to what you're doing, they sit and they stare at you. Yeah. And they're just like, all right, what is this? What's this guy doing? What What is this thing? You know, and the mule deer especially, they just sat until until you stopped and just stared at them. 
they would sit there. If you were just walking and looking at them, they would just, st- you know, they, yeah. they, they, I don't know if they're used to it or well, whatever. Well, I think they have to be, right? Because they can see so much more yeah. out there. Like if they ran every time they saw something they didn't like, my God, they never stopped running. Yeah. You know, so I think they have to kind of just sit there and assess the danger. But, you know, we hunted for a couple of days, you know, after I shot my deer, I filmed for Dustin. And then the last night we went and sat in a ground blind on this field. And the thing with Wyoming is it doesn't matter what time of day it is. There's always deer in these fields. Like it's impossible to get into a blind without getting busted. So we just took the truck and just drove right out into the field and ran all the deer off the field and uh, got in the blind and then someone drove the truck out and I mean within five minutes there was deer coming back in the field yeah and it's just the craziest darn thing you've ever seen in your life yeah so, so uh is yeah uh, is this something that you think you're going to be doing a lot more of expanding your whitetail game to outside of the midwest just for like experiences uh yeah I think so because I mean let's face it man it's all about the experience at least for me anyways yeah you know, shooting big bucks is fun, and I do love chasing them around the house, and it is one of my, my goals to try to shoot a good one next year. Um, but realistically, like, it's about the experience. And I, I think I said this before, like, our Kentucky trip, like, for me, that was about getting out, doing something fun with one of my buddies, enjoying three or four days of something we don't normally do. Whether we killed one or not was was a bonus. Like, it didn't really matter if we killed one. Like, I had a blast. I'll be able to look back on that hunt with, with Matt and be like, that was an awesome trip. Like we had a blast. We shared a ton of laughs. We saw some cool stuff. We had fun. You know, we get to tell everybody we hunted and it was damn near a hundred degrees out. Like just one of the, we are creating stories and memories more so than trying to kill deer. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, every year I'm going to try to do something a little bit different. I've got a bit of a vendetta against antelope in Wyoming. So I'm going to go back, uh, this coming August and try to, to actually kill one this time around. Um, <laughs> So that's going to be my my trip for this coming year out west anyways. I'm going to go on an antelope hunt in August. Uh, but I'm definitely going to do something whitetail-wise, whether it ends up being Kentucky again, looking at Missouri, maybe looking at Kansas again. I'm not exactly sure what we want to do for this year, but I'm definitely going to be doing something other than Illinois for, for next fall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Iowa, how long, how long <clears throat> did it take you to get – to how many points did it take you to get to hunt the area that you were yeah i had three points for that that area um so i don't know what i'm going to do for iowa again i got a little bit of time to decide there you know i'll start putting in for points again this year and once i get you know another three in my pocket i'll decide if that's going to be kind of cashed in again on that northeast iowa trip or if i'm going to come down by you one of these days yeah absolutely man that'd be awesome uh okay so what about uh, what about this year? Uh, any like anything awesome happened to you? Like anything that you hadn't seen? You know, you've you've been hunting uh, several years now. Uh, anything that really stood out that you want to do more of? I mean, do you want to jump into uh, different species? And what I mean by that is like turkey hunting, like take crazy turkey hunting trip, or pheasant hunting, or duck hunting, or maybe get into fishing or anything like that. Um, well, I mean, I do like turkey hunting quite a bit and I'm sure I'll go somewhere this year, whether I I put in for Wisconsin tag, so we might journey up there and do that. I might go back to Kansas, to be honest with you. I don't know. Turkey, turkey hunting, uh, I've definitely taking a liking to, but unfortunately it falls at like a weird time in the year. You got Easter right in there. Um, 
you got some trade shows like some of the deer and turkey expos like madison deer and turkey expo kind of i think is like right at the end of march this year so as far as like traveling and stuff like i don't know what i'm going to do i'll definitely going to be doing you know at least a couple seasons here in illinois probably one quick out of state thing you know as far as everything else like man I do everything else, but I still just love whitetail hunting. Yeah. To be honest with you, like I just there's something about trying to outsmart a whitetail that I just really like. Um, I'm trying to save up enough points that I can go do a, a hunt with Dustin uh, for elk here in a couple of years. I think I have, I want to say I have seven or eight elk points now, and I think it's going to be probably take nine or ten points to get it where I want to go. I could probably draw one of their um, what they call their private land tags. Uh, right now, but that's not really the hunt that I want to do. Like when yeah. I go elk hunting, um, so they do um, what they call their like their mountain hunts, where they go up in the wilderness and yeah. you're like legitimately up on the mountain. Like that's the hunt I want to do. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of points to to draw for their area, so I'm just kind of sitting on points for that. Um, I might t- try to talk Todd into going on an elk hunt in Colorado. Um, maybe him and I either this year or next year. We'll see. So, I mean, I would definitely like to shoot an elk here at, at some point in my life. I feel like that's one thing that I haven't done. Well, I but, tell you what, when you, tail, when you decide to do that elk hunt in Wyoming, I'm sitting on, I think, six or seven points now for Wyoming uh, for elk as well. So yep. keep old Dan Johnson in uh, in the loop as keep well. Keep you in that. mind. Yeah, because for I think sure. that'd, be, that'd kind of be a kick-ass, dude, uh, uh, I've always wanted to go on a hunt with you. We always talk about it, but we never do it. So I think I see something right there, potentially. Or we, yeah, we could do that. Or you could jump in with us in September this year and either come over to Kentucky or down to Missouri or I don't know what we're going to do exactly. Yeah. But we're going to find an over-the-counter, you know, place and just go for, you know, another three, four day in September type trip. Yeah. You know, just uh, have a good time and try to kill, kill a whitetail somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do in September this year. Uh, last two years, I've gone elk hunting. I might put elk hunting on the back burner this year, uh, and I'm still going to do my South Dakota mule deer hunt, I think. Um, and I think I'm going to save that uh, save that elk hunt for um, another year because, you know, I, I turned 39 in November. I'm going to turn 40, and I think my 40th year, I'm going to do it big where I'm going to be doing, you know, an elk hunt, a mule deer hunt, an out-of-state whitetail hunt, and then I So you turn 40 this coming in 2020 or 2021? 20, uh, so 2020, November 2020, I'll be 40. Right. So I'll be 40 in August, this coming August. Yeah. So, and I'm going to be, I'm going to do this antelope trip right before my 40th birthday. So I, t- I came home from Wyoming. I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going uh, antelope hunting next August. She's like, uh, that's your 40th birthday. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be out of town elk hunting when I turn 40, <laughs> even though I'm not. But I messed with her. She was not super pleased about that. I'm like, don't worry. I'll be home. We already we booked it for like the 20th or the 24th or something like that. And my birthday's on the 29th. So, uh, but yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Like, that's partially why I'm like, yeah, man, maybe Todd and I could go do an elk hunt this year in Colorado for my 40th. Be something for us to do you know this fall we did this deer hunting you know trip to wyoming this year we kind of want to like take a trip you know together every year kind of now that we're at a point where we can do that yeah um so yeah i might try to con him into doing a an elk trip you know he's he's had he took a year off from elk hunting last year he's had some bad luck he's flung a few arrows and 
had a few non-recoveries on elk. Yeah. Uh, so he just decided like he needed a bit of a break from it. But uh, maybe one year break was enough, and we'll, we'll get out and do that. But I mean, uh, yeah, one of these days I'll kill an elk. But my my goal really for for this coming year is I want to I want to kill a 150 inch or better deer. Like I want to put the actual real real legitimate effort into finding one, figuring one out, and trying to to truly hunt one. These last couple of years on my whitetail hunts, I've been very uh, nonchalant about it. Very just like yeah, there's three or four bucks around. And if one of them happens to come by me, you know, I'll shoot it type of thing. But I haven't really put like a, a lot of what I would consider like real serious effort into my deer hunting. Yeah. Uh, these last couple of years, you know, and I've been successful, you know, shooting deer. It's not like I've gone deerless, but I want to, I don't know, something about going into next year. I just, I'm really going to put forth a little bit more effort than I have these last couple of years and just maybe some new stand locations and getting everything prepped and really just, really kind of have a game plan versus kind of just waking up and being like, Hey, where do I feel like going today? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that, uh, man, I, I had those same goals and aspirations this year as well. Like I'm, I'm only going to shoot a hit list or buck. And then obviously the, the standing corn around the farm threw a wrench in that because what I perceived, you know, the trail cameras that I did ca- uh, check and the, the movement that I did see was, um, uh, was not what, led me to you know continue with that uh, that goal you know i obviously changed it as the as this as my rut vacation kind of continued on but uh that's something that i want to do uh really same as you man is just really focus on a deer or two deer uh, or a hit list really and say if it i don't care what it is it's got to be a giant for me to kill it or it has to be one of these select deer and uh if it doesn't meet that criteria i'm passing it so i think i'm to the point now where i can start doing that or where i want to start doing that and uh, but i say this now every year i I change (laughs) i change my mind right (laughs) well i mean the fact is like from and i feel the same way as you in a lot of cases but sometimes man if a deer's coming through the woods and i'm getting jacked up and i want to shoot it like it doesn't really matter what it scores or mm-hmm. if he's on the hit list or like dude if he's coming in and my heart's pumping and the arrow's knocked and i'm ready to go like he's getting shot right you know one one way or another so uh but yeah i mean that is kind of my, my goal is to try to step up the whitetail thing a little bit for this year you know i think next year part of it is i think i could have a really good year really good crop of bucks i have a lot of really nice ones that made it through uh firearm season at least the first couple three we got like two more to go here in illinois um, but yeah, I mean, I got, I, we have a, just a mega giant three-year-old on, on my lease. That's, um, just a big, huge nine pointer. Um, and I just think he's got the real potential to be a, a giant deer next year. He's alive. Um, there's just a lot of good deer. I think that are going to be around hopefully next year. Um, barring they don't get killed between now and then. So yeah, kind of already looking forward to, to turkey season and next year. I still have a, one more Illinois buck tag in my pocket. Um, but you know, to be honest with you, my motivation's fairly low. I've got enough venison to last me for years at this point. You know, I shot four deer this year. I certainly don't need any more meat. Uh, and I'd like to see a lot of these bucks make it through. So my, my motivation to go try to kill another one of them is relatively low. Not saying I won't hunt before the end, but between Christmas, New Year's, and then ATA show and all the gun seasons here in Illinois, like just not sure that I'll be out more than two or three more sits before the season ends yeah i hear that man i i don't know i have uh i have 
doe tags that I can archery doe tags that I can fill here in Iowa. And uh, I don't know, although I want to get out and hunt, uh, I just don't think I'm going to have the time. It looks like it's going to be really warm here in Iowa for the next couple weeks. And then, you know, Christmas and then between work. And like you said, I got to get ready for the ATA show. That just it's like the worst the worst time to try to get some late season out but if uh, one of my cell cams convinces me otherwise i'll definitely go make a trip yeah i think a lot of people put a little bit too much stock in this late season weather like the cold is great right when you get cold it just makes things a little bit easier for us right because the deer get a little bit more predictable and you know they kind of get concentrated on certain food sources and whatnot but they're still moving in daylight. Like my cell cameras, almost every day I'm getting deer on cell cam in daylight feeding. Like it's still late season. We're still going into winter. They're still trying to replenish, you know, whatever weight and whatever they lost during during the rut. Um, so, I mean, they're definitely still moving. Maybe they're not as concentrated. They might be a little bit more spread out. They may be a little bit more on green food and less on corn and, and beans right now. But it doesn't mean that they're not still moving. I mean, I'm definitely getting bucks on trail camera. I know that guys are seeing bucks. You know, it can be done. Um, and you won't be quite so miserable <laughs> sitting when it's 40 degrees versus 4 degrees. So, I don't know. I kind of I, I kind of want to go hunt just because it is a little bit nicer out. It's freaking yeah. warmer now than it was in most of my late October hunts, <laughs> Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, overall it sounds like you had a really awesome year yeah i can't complain you know i came home from wyoming um literally i did not even have my stuff unpacked it was all still in my truck so i got home on wednesday i think the 20th that friday was the 22nd it was just a nice day so i snuck out of the office that afternoon drove over to, to one of my farms that i hadn't been on in probably a month hopped in a tree stand i only hunted one other time before ended up rattling in uh a real dandy big old gray-faced fat buck didn't score a ton but just a really nice deer ended up rattling him in from a couple hundred yards away and shot him at about 10 yards um so i mean just a, a great way to end what ended up being a really great week i mean i shot a buck in wyoming on the first day i shot a doe on the last day um and then i came home and shot a buck here in illinois so three yeah. three deer in one week like i certainly cannot complain about that and you know realistically i was i'm i had a great year I'd put it, you know, probably one of my top three or four seasons overall um, in terms of like just experiences and deer and everything. But I was two arrows away from having one of those like best year ever. Oh, yeah. Years. You know, my yep. arrow in Iowa, if that wouldn't like whatever happened, happened. But I mean, if I would have killed that deer, he was probably a 140 inch buck, give or take, you know, right in that range. Um, and then if I would have killed that first buck that I shot in Wyoming, it was probably eh, mid 120s, you know, maybe, but it definitely an older, big head, big fat body. Like if I would have killed Iowa, a big one in Wyoming, and then came home and killed a big one in Illinois, like that would have been three mature bucks in three different states, you know, type of like year. So I was I was two arrows away from a, a best season ever. Yeah. Um, but that's just that's the game of bow hunting, right? I mean. You can be so close and still so far away. Yeah, I I always think about that uh, when I have when I when I'm not thinking about you know past hunts. I think about how close I've been to 
you know, if, uh, let's say an arrow was an inch lower or, uh, I actually killed the buck, uh, or my tree stand was in a, you know, my tree stand was, in, you know, 20 yards closer to uh, a trail. Uh, I often think about the, the wall that I would have, uh, then. And, uh, I, that makes me smile, but then I realize like you don't have that wall, so you, <laughs> you, you still have to work. Yeah, I think about that a lot. If every arrow I've ever released went where I wanted it to go, I would need to be building an addition on my house for all the extra <laughs> all the extra mounts. <laughs> you know, as sad as that is, but uh, you know that's just that's bow hunting. That's why we love it so much. Yeah, you know, because it's not easy. If it was easy, we we wouldn't like it as much. Right. So you got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes it's all just part of the experience. Absolutely, man. Well, I tell you what, hey, I really appreciate you taking time out of your uh, day here uh, to uh, chit chat with me, BS no for a while, and. Uh, I don't know if you get out. Good luck. Congrats. Uh, tell your boy congrats on uh, on his, you know, and I guess getting his first, a, his first kill, kill. Yeah, watching kill his dad. Experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that really turns out. And uh, man, I guess I'll see you at the ATA show. Oh man, I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna have a booth there this year, so you're gonna have to stop over and see us. Will do, man. And we're, we're uh, while we're at it, we're working on our question for this year that we ask, we got to ask everybody. <laughs> Remember our little, our little uh, thing we did like, Hey, do you pee out of the tree stand type thing? Yeah. So this year we got a bunch of different ideas. We're kicking around, you know, of course, all things that, you know, we think will generate some controversy such as, do you prefer fixed blades or mechanicals? What do you think about crossbows? Would you eat meat from a deer that you knew tested positive for CWD? Huh, that's These a- are all questions that, we think people should answer for us. Huh. Well, so we'll make sure we get you on one of our videos. Yeah, right. The last video that you put me in, like <laughs> you asked me the question, and all it was was me laughing. <laughs> no, and you said, I think you just said, yeah, I think it was the pee out of the tree stand, right? Yep. Like, do you pee out of your tree stand? And you just laughed, and you're like, yes. And that was it. There was no other explanation beyond that. Cool, just, dude. Yes, I do. Let her rip. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Justin Czar, as always, for hopping on the podcast and BSing with us today. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Just remember that you can find this podcast by itself on the Nine Finger Chronicles standalone feed, which is just the Nine Finger Chronicles, or you can listen to it on the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail feed along with all the other podcasts that revolve around whitetail, right? So the name of that uh, podcast, if you are if you go to iTunes and uh, you want to search for it, you can search Nine Finger Chronicles, you can find it there, or you can type in Sportsman's Nation, whitetail, and it will pop up there as well. So uh, feel free to download from one of those spots. Other than that, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Vortex Optics, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Ripcord Arrowrest, Wasp Archery, Ozonic Scent Elimination, and Prime Archery Man. Please go out and support the those companies because they support this podcast and it comes full circle and I get to put a ton of energy and content out there for you guys to listen to. I know you like it uh, because I get messages every single day saying uh, that you guys are 
uh, happy with the content that's coming out if there's something that you want to request or suggest send it my way hit me up on uh, facebook or instagram send me a dm and we'll go from there so there is still some time in some of the states uh, to go out and get the job done. We're going to be talking about that here. Some more late season tips, tricks, and tactics in the upcoming months or weeks, I should say. And then it's ATA show. And uh, I just want to say right now, keep an eye out for the Hunting Gear podcast because I am going to blow up that feed while I'm at the ATA show with tons of content tons of uh, interviews with individuals about specific brands and categories and companies and uh, I tell you what man I uh, I'm excited to be doing that and uh, hopefully you guys uh, are too uh, when it comes to listening to the hunting gear podcast so go download and subscribe to that one as well if you are gonna be out in a tree please wear your damn safety harness and have a good weekend <laughs>